This is Father Bonaventure Chapman. And this is Father Gregory Pine. Welcome to Godsplaining. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, uh, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to Godsplaining wherever you listen to your podcasts. Father Gregory, when, did you ever feel that when we say like, like the show, that it seems like it should be like a stage show or something, we should have props and costumes and that kind of thing? Or is that a show doesn't have that as a primary analogate for you? Yeah, primary analogate for me is dog and pony show. So I just think mm. of, yeah, just general affectation and like a lot of flair. Um, so I, I do have a, a mildly negative association with show. Show tunes, it's like you can admit to, to liking show tunes, but only in certain company. Because otherwise people are like, this guy, man, with his show tunes. So uh, yeah, yeah, maybe we should be in search of another word. If you like this very serious business-like thing, which may accidentally be enjoyable, um, but mostly awesome, then yeah. So we can work on that. Or just like this podcast. I don't know. But then it's like... <laughs> If you just like this specific determinate thing, quantity in front right. of us, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit like when the series of podcasts, these yeah, podcasts. things change so quickly with technology and, and this kind of uh, area that words, the, the semantic slip happens. So like you still yeah. hear people say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tape, uh, do you want to tape, you know, are you going to tape that episode? And like, I still use it sometimes because I know what taping an episode looks like, but I assume that someone who was born, I don't know, in the last 20 years thinks uh -huh. like, well, does, is it broken? Like, what do we need to tape it, you know, right. with or something? Or like video recording. I think we still use because we still use video, but tape recording. Like, yeah, there's just yeah. I've never said in like the last ten years. I've never said tape an episode. I think there was a brief moment where where people TiVo'd things, but I think that technology was cool oh. for like just as long as like the band Ninety Eight Degrees was cool, um, and around about the same time. So I wow, I, yeah, I think ninety eight degrees. Man, I have not you thought me about back that. to the two thousand early two thousands, maybe. Yeah, that was late. You had 90s, older sisters, so you you had sisters, so older sisters um, that you had I'd to love suffer to blame through. Blame this on uh, them, but I think I just knew the fact that there was a band ninety eight degrees. It's like when you when you know that there's a movie Frozen, and you're like, oh yeah, my nieces were watching it. But truth be told, it was just you watching the movie Frozen, like alone By on yourself. a computer screen. Yeah, exactly. Because you're like, I just yeah. love this Middle of the day. score. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, just going for the chorus. Um, <laughs> yeah, 90 degrees. Is that you plus us, us equals calculus? Or is that... Uh, um, that was I don't know if that song... I don't know any of their songs. I, I might be able to come up with one if you gave me a sufficient amount of time. So if in the middle of this episode, I like shout out a song title, I haven't had a stroke. I'm just recalling a 98 degrees song. That's great. Okay, so listeners, uh, be prepared. Uh, if this was a live spoil, you could just throw it in there. But Show uh, me the meaning box. of being lonely. I think that's them, right? No, is that one of the other ones? Show there me were... the meaning of being mm -hmm. lonely. Maybe that was Backstreet Boys. <sighs> Whatever. I just we could Google the, it, yeah, and that'd be less fun. And what were the guys would we you had, did you wear this? Um, new Kids on the Block. Holy smokes. Everyone, when I was in, in middle school, was wearing like these giant buttons, like this this big, like dinner plates on your, it was incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, so we've just, well, I've dated, we've dated ourselves sufficiently um, and, yeah. introduced the, and introduced the show sufficiently because um, we are talking not about 98 Degrees, Backstreet Boys, New Kids on the Block, or uh, In Sync. Yeah. Oh my that gosh. Happened. 
bye 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 to that discussion and uh we're talking about the exact opposite of that we're doing the gift of wisdom uh these are this is the special bonus series uh, of of the gifts of the holy spirit which are particularly a dominican kind of thing as as uh, hopefully our our viewers have have picked up on viewers um our listeners have picked up on maybe both our view listeners um and because Thomas says particular things about it and Dominicans uh, like this sort of stuff. Um, so we've also been in these episodes doing kind of a mini catechesis on not just the, the gifts themselves individually, but also like what the gifts are qua gifts. Um, yeah. And so we started off talking, of course, everyone knows what's the difference, what's the difference between a gift and a virtue and this sort of thing. But we thought maybe this episode would be good to talk about um, the difference between gifts and, say, charism- the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic graces, because you can receive gifts of the Holy Spirit, but you can also receive charismatic graces that give you similar powers, experiences, um, show tunes, that kind of thing. So, Father Gregory, you're a, you're an expert on all things, everything, uh, all well, things, everything. It's so, not 98 um, degrees what- lyrics. Yeah, we're we're getting there. Um, could you give us a quick quick little uh, tour? So uh, Spinoza says, "Omnis determinatio est negatio." Every determination is negation. Mm. Could you give us the, nega- the negation here, which is that gifts are not the charismatic graces, and what those are, and how how we kind of think about them between as compared to each other? Yeah, that great Thomistic scholar Spinoza. Um, so you have two lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit in the sacred scriptures. The first is in Isaiah chapter 11, verses 2 through 3, and those are the gifts that we're working through in these special episodes. So the order that we're observing is the order of knowledge, understanding, wisdom, counsel, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. And these are the gifts that rest on the Messiah and that we partake of. And then you have the gifts which are listed in 1 Corinthians 12, and these would be like tongues, or interpretation of tongues, discernment of spirits, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, mighty deeds. And um, the typical way to distinguish between them is to call the former the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and then to call the latter either the charismatic graces, like you said, or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but then with some added explanation, like, but the ones that are Mm. dot, dot, dot. The basic distinction is that the former, namely those which are listed in Isaiah, which we get at baptism, which we have fortified by confirmation, and which are part of the life of sanctifying grace, they they make us good. All right? So they're for our sanctification. They're an ordinary feature of the Christian life, which is kind of the reason for which we've dedicated these special episodes to them. We just want to highlight them. The latter, which is to say the Corinthian gifts, are not. So the way that St. Thomas introduces his discussion of them in the Summa Theologia, he says, you got some things that pertain to everybody, and that'd be like grace, virtues, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you've got some things which pertain to some, all right? And these aren't necessarily for the uh, kind of growth or sanctification of the individual so much as they are for the edification or the building up of the church. So they testify to the fact that there is something going on here in the life of the church, which is marvelous. And they're meant to draw attention to that uh, as the, you know, like as they're exercised in the life of the body for the church's edification. Um, So they are given by God, but they're given in such a way that they don't necessarily sanctify us. You know, so for instance, somebody with one of these charisms could exercise these charisms even whilst in a state of mortal sin. Whereas somebody with the former, that is to say the ones described in Isaiah, which we call the gifts of the Holy Spirit, could not be in a state of mortal sin while exercising said gifts of the Holy Spirit because they're just part of the life of grace. So that's 
a little start. I don't know. You have things to add? No, I think that's good. We've been, because we've been talking, this is ties in with the virtue discussion that the virtues are our are, are interior principles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit we talked about is kind of exterior principles, but related to the, the gifts are, are the dispositions given to us to respond to the exterior principles of the, of the Holy Spirit, you could say. And so we're moving from interior to like an interior exterior relationship. And then the charismatic graces are like a further one, you could say, of that's just God giving you still, it's you still, he's working on you, but it's, it's more external than even the gifts of the Holy Spirit on that. So it's for specific purposes as well. I think it's also, uh, as you mentioned, the, the importance of for others, Paul talks about this in speaking about speaking in, in tongues. He says, an interesting passage where he says, if, if there's no interpreter, like there's a speaker in tongues, whatever he means by that, um, uh, if there's no interpreter for that, it's, you shouldn't do it. The tongues are meant for, not for your own personal, as you say, personal edification or, or building up in virtue, but for the church, for a particular message, a particular uh, point, particular revelation, this kind of thing. And so an interpreter is, is necessary for that. So even Paul has this, Paul has this recognition, of course, not no surprise, um, that the gift, these charismatic gifts, which maybe we call them, maybe that's why I call them charismatic gifts instead of gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to, in this different way, because it does mark them out. They are, they are distinct. But they're they're still still the Holy Spirit working on us, but in a more kind of one-off, you might say. Whereas the gifts of the Holy Spirit are more intended to be more stable dispositions towards His working. It's a, I don't know, a bit like uh, there's no landing pad involved in uh, in in the charismatic graces. The helicopter just drops stuff. Uh, whereas the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's like there's a landing pad that still needs a helicopter, and the virtues are like. The air traffic controllers on the tarmac are waving those sweet wands. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. revisit this. Man, we'll revisit this. Usually, you know, usually I'll have worked myself. I'll start an analogy and I'll have I've been able to get myself to something. But this one, you know, maybe this is the, three, the problem with the three thing going on here. But we'll let that go. Okay, that's great. So the gifts of the Holy Spirit versus the charismatic gifts. Um, you could pray for both and you ought to as, in a sense. Um but the charismatic graces are kind of special, special occasions um, for that. But the gifts we're talking about, this is the third in the series. Of the, we started with the intellectual gifts, you could say, uh, knowledge, understanding. And this is wisdom. And knowledge, of course, we talked initially is this knowing it's kind of has a factual thing. Knowledge is about judging things correctly, you could say, according to themselves. Uh, understanding is the kind of intuiting the... The basic principles, um, feeling comfortable with them. We talked about, at least in the episode, the example of knowing how to do calculus and understanding what calculus is about. So knowing how to do the power rule, but understanding what a derivative really is kind of thing, something there. Um, so you might think, well, if I know what all the things are and I know the kind of basic you know, principles of them, you could say, um, is wisdom just kind of taking that and that and put them together like do i have like a cupcake and icing and wisdom is like a cupcake with icing on it mm -hmm. or is this a distinct gift so what's what's the what's the distinction here with the gift of wisdom and how does it maybe how does it relate to those those two guys if it does great question uh so when i think and talk about wisdom i usually identify three main senses of wisdom there's wisdom like the intellectual virtue and then there's this kind of wisdom, which would be a kind of experimental knowledge, as it were, of God. 
uh, which comes with the life of grace, specifically with charity, which we'll talk about. And then third is the kind of association of wisdom with the second person of the most blessed Trinity, with the son, uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ in human flesh. And so, yeah, maybe we could say a word about all of them. Maybe we could say a word about yeah. two of them. Maybe we could say something. Uh, but but as to the first, maybe that's a good place to start insofar as it has a pedigree in the uh, Western tradition that goes back way, way far. You taught a course on the wisdom of Socrates, didn't you? Mm -hmm. um, I did. So I think the basic idea with this kind of wisdom is that it's a wisdom, excuse me, it's a, an intellectual perfection which helps you to identify the joints of reality uh, so you're able to kind of, what would one say, access the intelligibility of whatever it is that's under investigation, such that it reveals itself to you or it unfolds itself to you, and, and that you have a kind of deep sympathy with the thing itself. So the way this is described sometimes in terms of argumentation is that the wise is able to order or that the wise is able to see, the wise one is able to see the principles and the conclusions and the conclusions and the principles. So not only how the argument is articulated, but how that corresponds to reality and thus how the things themselves are articulated. Um, you know, philosophy somewhere between 7 billion and a thousand billion times as well as I do. So I don't know if that checks out, but uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's wisdom is... The sense of, of ordering things rightly. You think about maybe um, knowledge as um, individual propositions. So X is P, toads are cool, whatever it might be. And then intuition is understanding like why those things connect. You know, like I don't just know toads are cool, but I know toads are cool because actually toadness has this kind of cool. They're kind of because they're kind of soft, but they're also not like slimy, and so they're and they're also like holdable because uh, they're not that usually that big unless it's a cane toad. So I get the principle of the coolness, why it's cool, um, the toads are cool. And then wisdom is like ordering numbers of propositions, like toads are cool, I ought to pick up cool things, um, you know, therefore I should pick up this toad. Like, you know, in some analogy, wisdom has this the right ordering of, of all these propositions in the right order, uh, because it gets the structure of, of reality, as you say, the kind of deep hiddenness to all of these things, the meaning of things. This is the philosophical, we'll get to the theological aspect of this in a minute, but the kind of what's actually going on here, that we're meant to be fundamentally toad holders, like that that's just a principle of a, a meaning of my existence, like the deep, when you ask, like, what is the point of life? One answer is to hold toads, um, mm -hmm. but be careful because they have gifts for you. So when you hold them, we've talked about this before. Um, so just there's, you need to have a, you need to have, you know, sort of craft skill as well in this, um, which are the later gifts we'll talk about, I suppose, and even a fear of them in a sense. Um, so that, yeah, so wisdom has this understanding the structure of things and how all these things relate together. Uh, I think Tom's, from Aristotle, of course, says the wise man orders all things uh, rightly, puts things in their right place. And that's true for intellectual structures of the world, because structures have an order to them. Uh, and so wisdom has this grasping of the whole in some fashion, in some fashion. That's the philosophical version of wisdom. That's right. And then you said, um, you said experimental knowledge or experimental, like wisdom has an experimental fashion, which I think most people are like, oh, should I get my Bunsen burner um, and my lab coat? And, uh, and I, I <laughs> so uh, I know what you mean, but uh, what's the second aspect you could say of wisdom that we're gonna bring in? I think we're gonna bring in God on this part. Yeah, and I think, the the philosophical notion transitions transitions us in wow savage uh to the mm -hmm. theological notion 
Because yeah. when you encounter a wise person, like when you encounter a contemplative, there's something about the way that that person gazes on reality, which kind of renews you in your own humanity and your gaze upon reality. They give you the eyes with which to see because they've mediated to you a relationship with the reality. I'm thinking of mm-hmm. Into the Wild, the book and the movie mm-hmm. that this guy went out to Denali National Park because he wanted to call each thing by its right name, because he wanted to say the true things about the things. Um, and I think that we find it supremely liberating, freeing when we encounter somebody who says the things about the things uh, in a way that, that corresponds. Like my first encounter with St. Thomas Aquinas was like this. I was like, holy smokes, not only is that you know a powerful way to describe whatever was under consideration, I think it was the nature of love, uh, but it corresponds with my experience and it makes sense of my experience and it kind of refreshes me and my approach to it. So then when you transition into the the theological, we're talking about a kind of knowledge, which is more like sensing than it is like reasoning. Not in the sense Mm -hmm. that it's just like crass intuition, or that it's like, um, I feel this way about x. And so x must be p. Um, No, no, it's it's the sense that when you get at a reality, right, you can get at it in a variety of ways through, you know, sense knowledge through intellectual knowledge. Uh, But but there's a way in which um, when you have this experiential knowledge, it's like you abide with it. Um, So it's like you dwell with it or it it takes up a kind of residence in you or you take up a kind of dwelling, um, you know, kind of in communion with it such that you needn't Mm -hmm. explain the reason for which you're comporting yourself in this way or you're tending in that direction. It's because uh, the reality has kind of entered into living communion with you and your tendency has been shaped by it. Um, so a lot of times we make sense of our experience subsequently in the moment. If you freeze frame it, you're not always going to be able to tell why. Like, why did I avoid this social encounter? Or why didn't I incline towards this per type of this particular type of Christian service? You know, but but there we're trying to identify a kind of interpersonal knowledge or an interpersonal um, communion, really, that's born of of this type of wisdom. So I think that's what I'm trying to get at when I'm describing experiential yep. knowledge. And, and when we talk about wisdom, the gift of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about that with God, almost as if, you know, your heart beats in time with that of God, albeit, you know, I'm, I'm speaking somewhat metaphorically, but I think that's, that's the beginning of an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, and I, it's an important one, because uh, I'm tied with the science aspect. There is Whenever you're given wisdom, gives you great power in a sense because it and it 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 can be a temptation, especially in our modern uh, conception since the scientific revolution. To the more we know, the more we can control it. So if I understand the structure of things uh, and understand how things really work and all of this, I feel like I'm actually a master of them. Like I, they are at my bidding, and that I can therefore wield them, and I can change the structure if I understand how the structure of the car works, I can fix the structure of it, not just change the paint, but I can change the shape of it and the fundamental reality to it. And there is a sense in which wisdom seems to give you this dangerous power that you feel like you're actually in control of things and therefore able to to bend them to your will and such. But this experiential knowledge you say here is experimental knowledge is not that kind of temptation, but rather it's the communing with uh, the beating hearts beating with the dwelling with so it's there's a there's a sort of passivity to the gift of wisdom that you stand in the presence of the structure that even though you 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 seek with this gift to know things in their deepest truest form and order them appropriately it's in more in a sense you're responding to their order 
like you're you're dwelling with the order of things as it ought to be as opposed to you unlocking the 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 master key or the ordering principles here and therefore are able to now be con now control them it's it's the temptation is the the greater gifts you are given the more dangerous because it's more likely that you think that you might be the the arbiter of them and the executor of them as opposed to merely the recipient of these things why the gifts are so important i think to remember that they are gifts they're given so i like this this the the focus on the experimental as a dwelling with uh, and under god who is this the, the ultimate wise one because wisdom is not like not just us discovering something, but it's us receiving and relating to the mind of God, which might people might think, well, hold on a second, that sounds even worse. Like how in the world are we relating to the mind of God with wisdom? So how does this, what do you, I mean, well, yeah, what do you say to someone who thinks, what do you, the mind of God, this sounds like new age consciousness sort of thing. I'm now, <laughs> I'm becoming one with the divine mind, this sort of thing. But we want to say something like wisdom is the divine, the divine is God, is the ultimate wise one. This is your third one in a way. Your third aspect. Yeah. Um, so, how do we tie into? How do we tie into? How are we related to God and His wisdom in our own appropriation of wisdom? Yeah, if we were to say the first is the philosophical, the second is the theological, this third might be the kind of phenomenological or the interpersonal or existential, however you want to describe it. Lots of ways. Uh, but the but the point here is that you know the Son proceeds. Well, he he is begotten by the Father. Mm -hmm. And he is the word spoken from all eternity. And we'll talk about him as the exemplar of creation. So he is the wisdom on which all of creation is patterned. Um, so we'll talk about, you know, the divine ideas that God knows all the ways in which creation can share in his divine life. And God weds his will to some of those notions. And what we have here in creation is the visible or is the created effect thereof. But that there's uh, an intelligible notion. Or there's a kind of ratio or rationale. Um, in God, as it were, and that the son proceeds as that, that reason or he proceeds as that notion. That's kind of like technical philosophy, which means that I'm out of my depth insofar as I'm trying to summarize it. But the point here is that God knows and that God disposes all things well to make them beautiful in their time and that the, the son uh, takes to himself a human nature in part so that he could be the, the human visage of that divine wisdom so that in him we have access to God's reasons for which. So I think that, you know, the hope is that in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not only do we get him, which in a certain sense is everything, like we don't want for anything else, but you get more besides. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. One of the things added unto us is that you can look at your life and know why. Because you're, you're participating the divine mind, like you said. You have mm -hmm. an insight into, you know, sometimes we might call it the eternal law. When we think about it in this, this sense of intelligible notion, we call it providence. When we think about it in terms of how he's ordering all things strongly and sweetly and bringing them back to himself, we call it governance. Regardless of the way in which we refer to it or how we try to capture the phenomenon, basically God knows. His knowing is causal. He invites us to share in it. And it's not just some energy force, it's a person. Mm -hmm. And that person yep. took to himself human flesh so that we could incline to him in a way that was easier and nearer and humaner and, and ultimately lovelier uh, by virtue of the fact that he has shown such great divine condescension so as to call us up with him and in him unto the heights of the very divine nature itself. Yeah, the, the, early, the early Greek philosophers have the sense that, that man is the microcosm. So in the sense that man re in man is recapitulated all the elements of the of the universe in a way and kind of the structure of the universe and so you have these pictures like leonardo da vinci has you know 
working off of this in some ways has a picture of the man, perfect circle and all that kind of stuff. And Christians say, close, not bad, but not any man, but the divine, the son of the son of man is the, is the microcosmos. He's the one who, when God, the father, you know, uh, when, when God creates, we generally appropriate the father is the creator, you know, but of itself, the Trinity, anything external is, is all of them. The son is the, the wisdom of God, as you say. And we say this in the creed on Sundays and other, other times when you say the creed, um, you know, when we say God from God, so the begottenness, light from light. And people might think, what, what is light from light doing there? But that's a really important philosophical response to uh, the relationship between God and his son, God's son, God in Christ and the world, that it's imaged in him, that he is the ultimate structure of intelligibility um, to the world, that God creates through the son in that way. So light from light is the, he's the enlightening principle to to the world and that's to the right early in the creed and then you get back to true god from true god um to remind you to fight off certain heresies sort of thing but light from light there is this kind of the illumining principle uh that streams forth from this and that we're all down and we, that we can get into be bathed in the light and therefore know better but when you're in light you not only see things better you also are warmed by it um so <laughs> it, it i wanted i want to talk now about this uh this we talked it's fascinating. This is an intellectual. We talked about the intellectual aspect of this, you could say, um, and knowing structure and all this. But we've also been talking about communion and dwelling with and this heart yeah. beating. We've got light. We've got this warmth. Uh, because it would be a shame if if the ph philosophical wisdom, just pure knowing the ordering principles, um, was the highest aspect of, of wisdom here. Um, but rather, actually, a charity is is the highest theological virtue in in, in that way. So how does how does it, let's tie this let's tie this in here how does charity um relate yeah. to to wisdom here are they separate or how do they interact with each other yeah so there's this classic thematic in the christian tradition you have it in saint augustine and saint thomas picks it up transposes it perfects it where you associate certain virtues with certain gifts of the holy spirit with certain beatitudes and with certain petitions of the our father mm -hmm. so you go down the list of virtues faith hope charity prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. With them, he has associated in the case of faith, knowledge and understanding. In the case of hope, fear of the Lord under one aspect. In the case of charity, wisdom. In the mm -hmm. case of prudence, counsel. In the case of justice, piety. In the case of fortitude, fortitude. Didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, and then in the case of temperance, fear of the Lord. So why then the association of a virtue, namely charity, which inheres in the will or in the heart and then a gift of the holy spirit wisdom which we would associate with the mind or the intellect um and i think that we all have a kind of insight into this insofar as we have the experience whereby love is a form of knowing um so like love furnishes you with a kind of sympathy for or a kind of sensitivity to the other which makes it easier for you not simply to comprehend the other but to again enter into communion with the other because that's the goal it's interpersonal all the way down and the point isn't to master nature so that way we can dominate it mm -hmm. the point is to enter into a relationship with god and all things in light of god such that ultimately it might redound to his glory and our salvation the kind of cosmic reconciliation of all of creation with the god from whom it has gone forth and to whom it is destined to return and so you know like when you when you love somebody uh, you're able to, you know, sympathize with their motivations, see better into their intentions, have a better feel for 
you know, like what might be at stake in this particular judgment and how they came to, you know, so that gives you a kind of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so St. Thomas uses the tradition which he inherits from Pseudo-Dionysius, who is a 5th, 6th century Syriac monk who writes in Greek. And he, in one of his works, we'll talk about to the monk Herathius, he'll say that it, by wisdom one comes to suffer divine things. So yeah. this idea of, like you said, a kind of passivity, or we could use the word receptivity, that wisdom opens you to the divine revelation and salvation in such a way as to animate you or activate you with a greater perfection, with a greater facility, because it kind of takes charge of your agency, perfects it, completes it, purifies it, heals it, grows it, empowers it um, in a way that surpasses our human resources. And so like this would be a kind of classic example of this type of movement in the life would be infused contemplation when God unveils himself and, you know, gives you, as it were, a kind of glance behind or into the Holy of Holies, such that that revelation and grace can nourish you, right? So St. Augustine makes this play on words with sapere, which is, you know, to, to be wise, or you can sapiensi as wisdom and like sapere, which means to taste, right? So it's a kind of tasting and seeing. It's a kind of almost sensate or sensual experience of the depths of God that motivates in you a change, but not because you've said, I want to do this, but because you've experienced something and that experience has changed you, right? It saved you and it sent you into mm -hmm. the, you know, whatever mission field that you're currently engaged in, or just simply back into prayer with a greater fervor and zeal. Yeah. And I think one of the important parts with wisdom is that love is at the beginning and the end of it. You could say, we always talk about as Dominicans that you, you can't know some, you can't love something unless you know it. Um, which is true for, yeah, which is true, except it has to be tweaked just a little bit with persons, right? Because in a sense, you can't really know someone unless you love him or her because a personal relationship requires an opening up. And we just don't usually open up to people who hate us. Like, it's, you're not going to share with that. So you, when, you, when you love someone, you've opened a relational dynamic that allows you to know that person. And if wisdom is, is really ultimately knowing how God sees the world and orders it appropriately. And as, as you've mentioned, Father Gregory, it's his willed, you know, his choice of structuring in this particular way, finite things in a particular way, and ordering him, um, then it has to be a relational aspect such that the wisdom is for our charity and love of God, but also is founded in our charity and love of God, because it's, it's a relationship that opens us to listen to him more attentively and not tell him what we think ought to happen in the world. Again, the dominating science paradigm of here's, I, I wouldn't have done it this way, God, you know, but rather listening and trying to figure out, trying to attend to just a moment, get a glimpse of why this, that sort of thing. So love is at the beginning of the end, especially with relations. That's great. Final word on this has to be, we've been doing kind of um, saints of the gifts. And so uh, I'm going to let you have this one. Uh, of course, because it seems like there's one saint that we should. So, uh, what saint do you think uh, is is good for is a good model, quick for wisdom, and in 30 seconds, uh, why summarize him as a as a wise saint? Go for it. Uh, so, as you might expect, Saint Thomas Aquinas is my go-to. Ah, for that was wisdom. gonna be Scotus. All right. Yeah, Carry yeah. On. I knew you thought that, but here I am to supply the surprise. Um, supplies, surprise. And yeah, so St. Thomas, insofar as he was wise, we could say that he ordered things well. And this was his, you know, very, very, what would you say, like, um, very intense passion was to order the science of sacred doctrine in such a way that it was more easy to assimilate or more easy to learn, and subsequently, you know, to preach and to teach, basically, uh, 
to conduct the individual into the realities themselves themselves so that way they could be tasted and seen and certainly that's been you know our experience in studying the thought of saint thomas aquinas mm -hmm. um, that there's a kind of savor to it uh, that there's a kind of richness to it in part because it's commended to you with such keen insight with such deep wisdom and that doesn't mean that it's complicated or that it's like jargony that simply mm -hmm. means that it's been set forth in such a way as to be better you know rehearsed uh to be better approached and ultimately better assimilated so saint thomas boom your thoughts yeah, I mean, I think this you're a living example of this. Uh, as everyone knows, Father Gregory has immediately there's three things, there's three lists, and this sort of thing. And this kind of you have a structure to your thought, and which is which is of course you, but also it's because you're a, a, a devoted son of of Saint Thomas, and the the sense that when you listen to him and love him, you harmonize with his own kind of ordering principles, and you see all that. So um, if you like, yeah, if you like Father Gregory, you should like uh, Saint Thomas. More importantly, you should like Divine Wisdom. Um, because it'll teach you how to order and know things aright. That's it. Thanks again to all our supporters of this podcast thing, show, whatever you want to call it. If you'd like to give money or anything to our work, yeah, we'll take bikes, I guess. Uh, check us out at patreon.com forward slash Godsplaining. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I cannot believe we have that. Like, I think subscribe. Now. Good. Don't go to TikTok anymore. Um, like, subscribe, TikTok's leave dead. a five-star review. Um, visit godsplain.org to shop our merchandise and get dates and information for upcoming Godsplain events, particularly right now the All Comers uh, Retreat, which is going to be in June. You can sign up for that. Uh, still some slots open for that. And feel free to find information about that. It'll be a great time in Malvern, PA, just not too far from Father Gregory's hometown, so you can see the source of wisdom, at least uh, geographically speaking. Um, that's it for us. Uh, Know of our prayers for you as Easter continues, for especially for the gift of wisdom. And please keep praying for us as well. And we'll catch you next time on God's Planning. Mm -hmm.